you all, Luke in chapter 1. And once again, thank you, each and every one of you, for being here today, especially if you're visiting with us. And this is a great time of year, and we love this time of year. And of course, every Sunday is a special day here at Grandview Baptist Church. We've really enjoyed the Christmas season. And some of you have been coming for several weeks now in a row, and God bless you. And we have enjoyed getting to know you and are looking forward to the future as well. If you're physically able to, and uh, if you could stand to your feet uh, this morning, we're just going to read a few verses that were kind of already read, and uh, the narrators just did a wonderful job today. Um, But I want to go through it again, just for the sake of kind of how we normally do the service. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. If you'll read silently while I read aloud, the Bible says there, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from... God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and the angel came in unto her and said hail thou that art highly favored the Lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and when she saw him she was troubled in this saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. It certainly is good to be in your house this morning. Lord, thank you for these dear people, some driving many miles to come here today. Lord, some not feeling well. Lord, they're aching. They're, their bodies hurt. They're waiting for a surgery maybe. They're waiting uh, for some news from the doctor. They're, they've heard some things they weren't quite anticipating. Lord, and they're, they're carrying a load today. Lord, maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's an emotional struggle. Uh, maybe it's a financial strain. Maybe it's a health issue. I don't know what all it is, but I know there's some that are, that are hurting today. And we're thankful that we can go to you in our time of darkness. Lord, there's some maybe that does not know you as their personal Savior. Lord, maybe they don't understand. Maybe they haven't. Uh, quite connected all the dots, but today we hope that will change for them. Lord, some, Lord, are online this morning looking in and wishing they could be here but can't. Pray they wrap your arms around and be with the children and the teens and the nursery and all the behind the scenes, uh, those who are serving this morning and then those here in the auditorium. May we open up our hearts to your word. Or may they look past the messenger and look at the message, Lord, of, of the word of God. We're thankful that it's powerful. Lord, it's as a stone and it breaks, as a hammer that breaks a stone. It's as a fire that warms the cold hearts, Lord. It's a sword that pierces. And Lord, it brings uh, what it needs to us, Lord. And so we're asking that the word will do just that this morning. Lord, I pray you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit power. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Several years ago, there was a man and his young wife who were at a party and At the party, the young wife admonished her husband and said, Honey, that's the fourth time you've gone back for ice cream and cake. Doesn't it embarrass you? He looked at her for a little bit and he says, Why should it? She says, Well, that's four times. It's too much. He says, Well, I keep telling them it's for you. (laughs) And, uh, of course, this morning maybe you've been put in an awkward spot. Someone has said something about you or... Maybe you've been voluntold. I doubt you've ever done that at Grandview Baptist Church, but you've been voluntold or you've been signed up for something. And this morning I feel like that's where we find ourselves. We see a young lady who is kind of voluntold something. And whether she likes it or not, of course, I believe God knew 
uh, of course, that she was the perfect candidate. But whether she wanted to or not, she finds herself in, in really a darkness, a, a dark time, a dark circumstance, a dark city, a dark area. And she's been told that you are about ready to change the world by your part in the Christmas story. And we see her response today. And I hope today we'll see three things that she experienced that I believe we too can experience in our darkness. Years ago, I was um, at a Bible college in northwest Indiana and the Chicagoland area serving in a ministry. In fact, a little, actually a big city called Cicero was the outreach area we were at. And uh, we went there every Saturday and on a bus ministry and we brought kids to church and I went home for the summer uh, to work for my dad. He had a produce business. He had about 50 acres of sweet corn, melons, and cabbage, and tomatoes, and all the fixings, peppers, and whatnot. And I went back to help him for the summer. And I decided that every other weekend I would drive up to northwest Indiana, Chicagoland area, and minister to my area. And then the weekends I couldn't go up, my friend would do it. And I wanted to kind of stick, stay in touch, but yet still be able to uh, work for my dad for the summer. And I had gone up on Saturday, spent all day there. I spent the night at a friend's house. I went to church and, and ministered all day and then came home after the service that night. And I kind of got a late start back and it was a four-hour drive. And it was, I don't know, one, two in the morning. I'm going through a little town called Decatur, Indiana. I'm about 10 minutes from home. I thought I was all alone on the road and I was getting excited. I was getting tired. I was ready to get home. And I looked behind me and I saw these wonderful colored lights. And I realized very quickly that I was not alone on the road. And uh, I got pulled over and and I started talking to the police officer, of course, tried to be as cordial and friendly. And, and, you know, I tried the whole crying technique, you know, everything, you know. And, uh, you know, and he says, have you been drinking, son? I said, no. I said, I've actually been coming back from church, believe it or not. And uh, so he talked to me for a little bit. And, and he went back to his police car and stayed there, it seemed like, for an eternity. And I knew. He came up with a piece of paper and he handed it to me and said, son, this is a warning. He says, you deserve a ticket when I'm going to let you go with a warning today. I experienced fear and then relief. (laughs) And I think Mary here experiences fear. But by the end of this passage, she experiences relief. And I say today, that's just what the gospel does. Our sin gives us fear. But the gospel, what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary, if we accept that, gives us relief. So number one, if you're writing this morning, I want us to see that the light of Jesus Christ encounters us in darkness. The light of Jesus Christ encounters us in darkness. The Bible says there in the first verse we read, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth. And what's interesting here is two words that I'm going to kind of spend some time on. The first of which is Galilee and the second of which is Nazareth. So my, how did Jesus Christ encounter Mary in darkness? And how does Jesus Christ encounter us in darkness? Well, Galilee was about a region about 75 to 100 miles north of Jerusalem. It was a region that was held in low esteem by the city dwellers. In fact, to the Jewish culture, it was 
low in esteem because Galilee was also dubbed Galilee of the Gentiles. There was a large group of Gentiles there. In fact, Matthew alludes to this in Matthew 4, verse 15. He says, Galilee of the Gentiles. There was many Gentiles there. The Jews did not find it a practice to go there. They had no desire to go there, though there was a synagogue and though there was some Jews there. That was not a destination, religiously-wise, they wanted to go to. In Nazareth was even a lower scheme. It was not... um, on any of the major trade routes. In fact, it was not even mentioned in the Old Testament. The disciple Nathaniel was even noted for saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And obviously Nazareth did not have a good reputation. And John MacArthur says there, there was not any major trade routes. All the important roads bypassed it. It was well off the beaten path, far from the important centers of Jewish culture and religion. And then he says this, God's choice of Nazareth to be Jesus' birthplace reveals that he is the Savior of the world, not just the powerful and the elite. No, he is the Savior of all, both Jews and Greeks. And I'm thankful this morning for that. And Jesus came to be the Savior of me and of you and of all the world. The early church received similar scorn of the Nazarene sect. In fact, a certain orator named Tertullus in Acts 24.1 informed the governor against Paul, and he said this about Nazarenes. He says, For we have found this man a pestilent fellow, and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. So even the religious alike made it very clear to the chief and the rulers and the governors that, hey, Nazarenes are troublemakers, and They are not someone we want to be associated with. They were probably very unpolished in their dialect. They probably had a lack of culture. They had a very measure of irreligion and probably had very low morals. Jesus, even when he went to Nazareth and his ministry, he was rejected by the townspeople in Luke 4, verse 16. And so the question that Nathaniel asks is perhaps what you and I ask today, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Of course, the answer is a resounding yes. And why is that? Because this would be the hometown of Jesus, mentioned seven times in the New Testament. Jesus of Nazareth, the greatest person of all time and of all eternity, the God-man, Christ Jesus. And as one person put it, isn't it just like the grace of God to choose a poor girl from a despised town to raise the greatest man in one of the least esteemed towns in Israel? So why does the light of Christmas, of Jesus Christ, encounter darkness? Because that was a place that Jesus Christ, that God chose for Jesus Christ to be born in. I want to encourage us today, if you feel insignificant, if you feel like you don't have much to offer, if you feel like you're not worth dying for, if you feel like, why would Jesus Christ do that? May I say, Jesus showed us from the very beginning of the Christmas story that I'm interested in coming for you and for me. And so we see light encounters darkness, but... This recalls Isaiah's words in Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts aren't your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Aren't you thankful that God foresaw way before we ever would what we needed? And he was willing to encounter darkness. But second of all, this morning, I want us to see not only was Jesus Christ willing to encounter darkness, yes, even your darkness you're in this morning, but the light of Jesus Christ exposes us and our darkness. You see, light exposes things. Perhaps you've walked through the night and stubbed your toe on the bed, or maybe you've stepped on that last Lego that was failed to be picked up. Don't you appreciate light when it exposes things? But light doesn't just expose dangerous things. Sometimes light exposes things in our life that needs to be taken care of. But in this particular case, the light of Jesus Christ exposes Mary and darkness. The Bible says in verse number 27, to a virgin espoused to a man. The angel Gabriel went to this virgin who was a spouse to a man. Of course, a spouse there means that she was committed to Joseph. And those days, as early as 12 or 13 years old, Jewish girls would be a spouse to a man. And for this particular case, Mary was a spouse to Joseph. We do not know how long she was, but somewhere along the line, there was a, a, a section of this espousement where the man and woman were, were, were basically challenged to make sure they stayed pure during that time and, and for, the, for the whole time especially. But there was a certain time where they were not to, to be too close. And in fact, they're supposed to be separated for a while. And so when the angel Gabriel gives her this news, it's very frightening. It's, it's very wrong because if that is the case and she has broken the espousement and even could be certain death. And she's very troubled. She's very worried, the Bible says, and verse 28, the angel, though, says, Thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. But this is not a calming phrase. This is a troubling phrase, because the Bible says in verse 29 that Mary's perplexed and she's puzzled. The Bible says, and when she saw him, she was troubled, as a saying. The word trouble is diatorasso in the Greek, which means to agitate. It means to be stirred up from without. It literally means figuratively to describe her mind as greatly disturbed, thrown into confusion, utterly confounded. In other words, she's confused, she's worried, she's fearful, she's trying to process these things. She may be like you and I sometimes when we hear news, we assume the worst. And she's thinking through all these things. The Bible says that she was cast in her mind. That word means dia lagizome in the Greek, which means to reckon, to reason, to consider, literally to have a conversation with yourself. Have you ever done that before? Oh no, what's going to happen? And before you know it, you've built this huge thing that could potentially go wrong, only to find out, oh, that's not what really happened. And Mary's processing all these things and she's getting all stirred up in her mind. She's, she's puzzled. She's perplexed. She's fearful and she's wondering what in the world is going to happen. She's fearful. The Bible says, and the angel said unto her, fear not. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe as a man in here, as a husband, you said to your wife, fear not, baby. It's all going to be okay. I got this. Now, wives, I can see sometimes why you doubt that, you know. 
Really? Okay. How's that going to work? Okay. So just hearing fear not is not enough. But what comes next from the angel's mouth is probably one of the richest things that's ever been said to someone. I want to break it down a little bit. The angel came unto her, in verse 28, and said, Hail thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee. The words, fear not, was given to Zacharias, Mary, the shepherds, and the woman who had the issue of blood. Each one of those times, they were very fearful, they had heard news, they were very troubled, and the words came from the angel or Jesus Christ, fear not. But then she is told that you have found favor with God. Now what does that mean? Well, the word favor from Henry Morris is the Greek word translated into grace. And the first mention of grace in the New Testament is right here. In fact, the first time that grace is used in the Old Testament is Genesis 6 verse 8, a very familiar time. The Bible says, but Noah found grace... In the eyes of the Lord. But what's interesting here is both the first time in the Old Testament grace is used, and the first time grace or favor is used in the New Testament is both times when the world is about ready to experience something dramatic. In fact, Noah gets grace in the eyes of the Lord. Post-flood economy, he actually changes all of that and he gets to help start a new world after the flood. Mary, when she hears the word, you found favor, is about ready to give birth to a Savior who, through the judgment of the cross, would carry away the sin of the world. Could you imagine both times the word grace is used first in the Old Testament and first in the New Testament earth-altering circumstances happened. In fact, John 1.29 shows us how important this was. John, who seeth Jesus, saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Bible says favor there, but what's interesting here is she finds favor. The word found means to learn a location of something, either by intentional searching or by unexpected discovery. Of course, if you lose your keys, you're probably going to use intentional searching. But how many times have you found something? We were watching Little House on the Prairie yesterday. My daughter Brittany's all into it. And uh, my boy's going to like it. And there's some some good uh, life experiences in that thing. But anyways, we're watching. And the kids find this gold. And they can't figure out a way to to uh, get rid of the, get the gold separated. And so one of the boys, Jonah, I think his name, he steals the screen door from the general store. Now, how many remember the lady of the general store is not the most kind? And she's trying to kill flies with her old fly swatter. And they take the screen door and they're putting all this sediment through it. And they get all these bags of what they think is gold. And they're dreaming about all these ways they can spend this gold. And they bring all these bags in to the banker, and the banker looks at him and says, I don't know how to break this to you, but that's fool's cold. And, of course, the kids are shattered. But we see sometimes you find something you're searching for. Sometimes you come across something you weren't even looking for, but wow, what a blessing. But in this particular case, I believe Mary wasn't even searching for this favor. It just came upon her. How did this happen? 
Now, the word favor, the Bible says, favor with God. You didn't just find something, you found God. And that in the Greek literally means favor beside God. So what Mary actually found in her darkness was somebody who was going to be light through her darkness. Can you imagine? How many times have you heard someone, maybe at a funeral or something, say, wow, how can you be so strong? How how can you be able to get through this? And you just say, but through the grace of God. And what Mary finds here is not a solution necessarily from her troubles. She finds a very person who's going to help her through her troubles. And so we see that she finds favor. That is what you and I get to experience on a daily basis if we choose to. Hebrews 13, 5 says, For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. When's the last time you've been able to say boldly, The Lord is my helper? He is right there. He is beside you. 1 Peter 5, 5, Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Maybe you, like Mary, feel like you don't have much to offer God. Maybe you feel like you're in some darkness or you're in some struggle you're in and you wonder, where is God out? Well, may I say, if you're humble before God and realize you have nothing to offer, you actually have everything because you have God right beside you. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I love the way James Smith says it in his poem, Jesus as Savior and King. He says it this way, Great disaster of the world, when Adam from his throne was hurled, when the tempter seemed to win through unfathomable sin. Ah, but it was only seeming Lo, the Christ hath come redeeming. May I say today, you may feel like you're lost all alone in your sin. Satan has you. He's tempting you. He's coming after you. Oh, don't forget that Christ has come redeeming. And so we see, first of all, the light of Jesus encounters us. And second of all, the light of Jesus exposes us. But third of all is We kind of wrap things up this morning. We see the light of Jesus embraces us. So not only did Mary feel the encounter of the light, she was exposed in the light, and here she is, whether she likes it or not, she is going to do something for God, and God is going to be with her, but it also embraces her. Where she is, who she is. The Bible says in verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Mary knew, obviously, that Gabriel was quoting from Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign, and behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. It's interesting here, as the angel here says, thou shalt call his name Jesus. The word Jesus means God saves. God created perfection. You see, man chose to reject God. The Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin into the world, and death by sin. So death passes upon all men, for that all have sinned. Whether you like it or not, you were born into sin. 
I don't think any one of us intended to be that bad sinner, but we are born into sin. In fact, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one, and for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, and though we could have chose God, every single one of us chose self. And because of that, we've rejected God. We've rejected the greatest gift in all the world, even though Jesus was right there amongst us. Several years ago, a Baltimore congregation was in deep debt and thought they would have to close the doors, and they were so discouraged and so disappointed. And then as they were there, they found the answer to all their troubles hanging on the wall in their foyer. There was a valuable uh, woodblock print by Albrecht Durer, dated 1943. The work is very beautiful in the picture it shows the angel telling Mary she would give birth to God's son. When the members were told about this, some of the members thought, there's no way. There's no way the answer to all our problems is in a picture that's worth so much. In fact, they said, if it were real, why would it be here? To which, to which one visiting pastor said, what about us? Are we underestimating the value of the event depicted on that woodblock print before you and I's eyes this morning? And may I say today, Jesus isn't hiding from us. The truth that God came to earth in human form is plainly announced in his word. But yet so many people hear it, but have not received it. I love what John Wesley wrote. He left his father's throne above so free So infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Aren't you thankful today that Christ's birth brought the infinite God to finite man? We had no hope. We were lost in our sins. We were were struggling. We, We couldn't get the victory. But God was willing to come and pay for our sin on the cross. The Bible says in verse number 32, the angel says, I'm not done yet, Mary. He shall be great. He shall be great is a four-word description. But even eternity shall not exist or exhaust the depth and profoundity of the greatness of Jesus. Now Spurgeon said this, is it not proven that he is great? Conquerors are great, but Jesus is the greatest of them. Deliverers are great, but Jesus is the greatest deliverer of all. Liberators are great, but Jesus is the greatest liberator of all. Saviors are certainly great, but Jesus is the greatest Savior of all. Jesus was even greater than John because he was the Messiah and not a prophet. Yet how many religions try to paint Jesus It's just a good man, a good person, a a prophet even. Oh no, this morning I submit to you that Jesus was indeed God in the flesh. Uh, As the angel continues on, he says he will be great. He will be the son of the highest. Mary would not have missed the significance. You see, back in those days when someone was called the son of someone, this pointed to equality with the father. In other words, when Jesus was called the Son of the Most High, he was equally as great as God. 
He was a carbon copy of the Father. The Son of was used to refer to one who possessed his Father's qualities. And John MacArthur says, Gabriel's message to Mary introduces a pivotal point in redemptive history. How people respond to this story determines their future. And my dear friend today, how you respond to this message, how you respond to this passage will determine your future. You see in Luke 2.34, Simeon, who we studied a couple weeks ago, blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, which shall be spoken against. But the rest of the world would have to understand, like you and I have to understand, that Jesus said in John 8, 40, 24, For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Now what gave Jesus the authority to say something like that? Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Do you realize this morning that Jesus had the authority to say there's no other name under heaven. And Jesus has the authority not just to, to say that, but he had the same authority to die on the cross and to bleed and die and shed his blood and cry, Father, forgive them. And then he cried, it is finished. And then he was put into the grave. And three days later, he had the power to raise up from the grave. And he sits on the right hand of the Father forevermore. And he is your God and my God. He is our Redeemer. But we must choose to receive that free gift of salvation. Verse number 33, Gabriel continues on. He says, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Simply he was saying, I have a relationship with Israel. I am in charge of all 12 tribes of Israel. I am God. I'm Jesus. How many times, though, can the truth be shared, but we... Choose not to grasp it all. It reminds me of the story of a little boy during the Great Depression in the United States. A humble family did their best in the Midwest to put food on the table, but it was so hard. Every single penny was gathered just to have enough food. One day, there was the circus was coming to town. The little boy wanted to go to the circus so bad. And the mom and dad says, we don't have enough money. But if you're willing to work on the side and make it, you can go. A boy spent some time working and finally came up with a dollar. The day of the circus arrived and to kind of promote the circus, they decided to have a big parade and the elephants came through, the acrobats came through. Even the clown rode his one-wheeled unicycle bike through. And as the the clown was going through, the little boy gave the the clown his ticket, thinking that he was at the circus. He was so excited. He went home that day. He had worked so hard, and to him, it was worth every penny. But as he told his parents what had happened, he says, Mommy and Daddy, you won't believe it. The elephants were just so great. The monkeys were doing cool things, and the acrobats, it was amazing. A clown even rode by, and I gave him my ticket. Oh, the circus was amazing. His dad reached down and picked up the little boy and held him close. He said, Son... You didn't see the circus. All you saw was a parade. And may I say, won't that happen to many people this Christmas? They'll see the trees. They'll see the presents. They'll see the lights. They'll see even Santa. They'll see all these things. And think, wow, Christmas is so great. 
but what they'll fail to see. They'll walk, look at the prey, but they'll fail to see the circus. They'll fail to see the importance of it all. And that's when Jesus came for you and for me. He was willing to come, be born in a, a town which was despised and rejected. He was willing to come to a people who would despise and reject him. He was willing to give up everything. He was willing to die on a cross for you and me, but yet he would still be rejected by so many. He was willing to come. Some of you may know the story of Jessica McClure Morales, more affectionately called Baby Jessica. In 1987, at a year and a half age, 18 months, she fell into a well in her aunt's backyard. Firemen and police came from all over for 56 hours. Really, it garnered worldwide attention, the story goes. Little Jessica was lodged in the well. And so they were going to drill in with the oil drills and only to find out that there was bedrock all around. And no matter how hard they drilled, the drills were designed to go down and not sideways and they couldn't penetrate through. They tried everything, and finally they brought in a new technology, water jet cutting, and they were able to finally start getting through. And during the 45 hours of trying to get baby Jessica out, they heard her singing, Winnie the Pill. They kept drilling, and finally Ron Shore, a roofing contractor, volunteered to go down. He was born without a collarbone, so he could get his shoulders all the way around in the smallest place possible and go down and get it. They decided not to use him, and instead, paramedic Robert O'Donnell went through. The whole world was watching, news from all over. What is going to happen? At that point, finally, after many hours, 50-some hours, they were able to bring up little Jessica safely to a paramedic who took her to the hospital and found out she was okay. The whole world was watching for one little girl to be rescued. And may I say this morning... Something even greater than that happened for you and me. The whole world got to see Jesus Christ come. No, he didn't use a jackhammer. No, he didn't use water cutting. He didn't even climb down. He came down, was born in the manger. For years, he was among us. He was beaten, he was mutilated, he was nailed to a cross. And as he pulled himself out for breath, he said, Father, forgive them. And then he died. Then he rose from the grave. And may I say today, he was willing to come for not just one, but for the whole world. To seek and to save that which was lost, you and me, in our sins. That is the gift of Christmas. When God came to us by becoming a man to save us from hell. But may I say today, you must receive this gift. We can't force it on you. Reminds me of the story of Adrian Pierce and Vicki Allen. A few years ago in Edmonton, Canada, in December of 2018, a man and a woman opened a gift together that had been wrapped for 47 years. 47 years before, a Canada man, Adrian Pierce, received a small present wrapped in shiny purple paper shortly before Christmas of 1971. He had received it from his then-girlfriend, Vicki Allen. But the day before, Vicki had kissed another boy named Wolfie at the mall, 
and dumped Pierce on the spot. And she went up to Adrian and said, I know I'm dumping you, but I still want you to have this gift. Adrian took that gift and would not open it. Every year for 47 years, he'd put it out in the Christmas tree and he would not open it. He got married and ended up having kids and still every year that gift would be placed under the tree and would not open. The paper started to fade. It was not near as shiny anymore. Finally, after 40-some years, his children convinced him, Dad, you've got to open this. It's killing us. So he said, I will not open it alone. I'll only open it if I can find Vicky. Well, for years, or for months, he tried to find her, could not. Called, everything was dead. And finally, on Facebook, a friend of a friend was a friend with her, and they connected and finally got together. And, of course, both spouses agreed that this could happen. Adrian says, we're going to make it a charity event. We're going to open it together. They got there, and the reporters asked, Vicki, are you worried? She goes, kind of, because I don't remember what I put in it. <laughs> and there they sat. As the cameras were there, the whole world, in the sense, was watching news from everywhere. And they opened that package. And in that package was a book entitled Love Is, a collection of poems and sayings about love. But for 47 years, one reporter said, Adrian, that's a long time to keep a grudge. But what about you this morning? Do you understand that there's a gift given to you and me that is not forced upon you? has never been opened. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave. But God commendeth, God gave his love toward us, and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you realize there's a gift for you and me that maybe you have never opened? But that gift does you no good until you receive it in your life. I remember giving the illustration years ago about someone maybe who's sick and needing help, and goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, here's what you need to have. I'm going to prescribe this medicine to you. So they picked it up from the store, they brought it home, put it on the the countertop, and says, that's the answer. I'm going to look at it for 10 days straight. You won't get any better. You only get better when you open it up and receive it. And I say today, just knowing about Jesus, knowing the true story of Christmas is not enough. You must come to a place where you pray and invite Jesus Christ in your life, trusting on him and him alone, repenting of your way of thinking, maybe a previous religion, maybe a works thing, a a gift you've given, maybe uh, serving in the community center. I've, I've done all these things. It's not enough. You must come to Jesus Christ through him and him alone to get to God. Maybe today you know for sure you're going to heaven but you're in some darkness. Don't forget that you have the greatest gift right beside you this Christmas. Will you go and allow God to be beside you? Will you listen to his Holy Spirit's prompting? Will you open his word? Will you allow God to help you through your time? Or will you continue to try to do it your own? Will you be a light this Christmas? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm asking if you, if you won't maybe move around for a little bit, just stay if you can. The Bible very clearly shows us how we can know for sure we're going to heaven. Now, I don't know about you today, 
But when I found that out, it changed my life. When I realized what Jesus did for me, this unopened gift could now be opened and received, and I gladly did it. Perhaps I'm talking to someone this morning. You're sitting in your pew, and God's touched your heart. There is an unopened gift that you've yet to open. Jesus came for you. He did the miraculous. He did the amazing thing that only you can open. No one can open it for you. You must personally receive it in your life. How many would say, Pastor Justin, that's me this morning. I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I want to open that free gift of salvation like Adrian did. I may have been stubborn. It may have been years. It may be months. It may be weeks. But I know without a doubt that if I were to die right now, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. And I would love to invite Jesus Christ in my life. Pastor Justin, with no one looking around, with eyes closed, head bowed, I will not embarrass you. I'm going to say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I need Jesus in my heart. Would you slip up your hand real quick? I want to pray for you. Anybody this morning? God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else this morning that would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Just slip up your hand real quick. I want to pray for you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you raise your hand, just say something like this in your heart. It's not necessarily the prayer that saves you. It's you giving your life to Christ. Say something like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I deserve to go to hell, but I don't want to go there. Lord, I believe and trust in you. And invite you into my heart. Lord, I accept your free gift of salvation. Please come into my heart and save me. And take away my sins. So I can go to heaven when I die. I repent of my way of thinking. And invite you in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to say, Pastor Justin, I just prayed that prayer in my heart, and I meant that. If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to rejoice with you. God bless you. I see that hand. Amen. I see that hand. Maybe there's someone today that would say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I've been going through darkness, a dark time in my life for myself, and I've decided today that I'm going to allow Jesus Christ, who is sufficient, his grace is sufficient, he'll never leave me, I'm going to allow him to go through it with me. I'm going to spend time in, my, in, in his word with, together. I'm going to spend time allowing the Holy Spirit to lead in my life. I'm going to spend time with spending time with God so he can go through it with me. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see the hands. Maybe there's someone today that would say, Pastor Justin, I am dealing with something difficult right now. It's hard. It's overwhelming. I'm struggling. It's a health thing, it's a physical need, it's a spiritual need, it's a relationship need, it's a financial strain. Will you pray with me this evening, this morning? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. Oh, wow, all over. Many people are struggling today. Maybe someone would say, Pastor Justin, I want to be like those people who are helping rescue this baby, Jessica. I want to be that in a spiritual sense. I want to be used of God to help point someone to the Savior this Christmas. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me to be a shining light? If that's you, will you slip your hand? God bless you. Lord, you see the hands. You know the hearts. 
Lord, you know my heart. I've sought to give it my all today. Lord, I pray that you'll use the illustrations, you'll use the the message, you'll use the preaching, you'll use the teaching of your word to convict hearts today. And may we respond to your word like we can. And church people, I ask you this morning, if God's touched your heart today and God's convicted you a little bit, may you respond to him. May you come to an old-fashioned altar. Maybe you'd like to take that next step in your Christian journey. We'd love to help you with that, Lord. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano's playing. May I encourage you to respond to the word of God today. Maybe God put someone on your heart today to pray for this morning that needs Christ. Maybe you'd like to take that next step of, of, of faith by, by uh, following the Lord in baptism today. Maybe you know for sure you're going to heaven, but you want to follow the Lord in baptism and show everyone that you got saved. Maybe you'd like to join the church. We'd love to talk to you about that. If you'd just like to slip forward, uh, one of our pastors down here would love to talk to you about that. And we'll make that public this morning. May I encourage you to respond to the Lord as God would have you to today. encourage you to just spend a moment this morning in prayer as God would have you do this morning. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you so much for listening uh, so well this morning. We're going to get you on your way in just a minute, but we do want to share that uh, Ben and Emily uh, down here, Ferns, raise your hand if you could, would like to join the church this morning. They've been saved and baptized and looking for their child's in our school, two children in our school doing a great job. And they want to join the church this morning, become part of Grandview. And so all in favor, say aye. All right, God bless you. Welcome to the family. We're so glad uh, you want to join the church. We're looking forward to serving the Lord together. And what a great, precious young couple, family also expecting uh, uh, here in a few months as well. And so pray for them as well during this time. All righty. Well, we do have a quick video we want to share with you with some upcoming events to keep in in touch with you. And so you kind of know what's going on in, in the weeks ahead. And so let's watch this video at this time and then we'll be dismissed. and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for another sermon from Pastor Lehman. Hi folks. There are several ministries you can get plugged into here at Grandview Baptist Church. One of our most important ministries is the First Impressions team. 
We want every guest to feel welcomed as soon as they come on this property. Would you consider being a part of one of our greeter teams? There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. Would you consider signing up today? Don't miss the conclusion of our Christmas Light Sermon Series, which will be preached next Sunday, December 24th, in the 11 a.m. service. Also plan to join us for the Christmas Eve Candlelight Service that will take place next Sunday at 5 p.m. Join us as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Please note that there will not be an 8.30 service on Christmas Eve, but the rest of our services will follow our normal schedule. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. Okay, well please know God loves you and this pastor loves you. If you're going to be out of town on next Sunday, please know Merry Christmas for my wife and I. If not, I hope you can be here. It's going to be a special day. We're looking forward to it. You are dismissed.